Welcome back to A Couple of Creatives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lizzie. We're engaged and we run a video production company together, along with many other things considering our YouTube and Instagram followings, but I digress. We post these episodes on the first and third Monday of the month. If you're not getting enough couple of creatives, then head over to our creative club, www.patreon.com slash a couple of creatives, where you'll get exclusive bonus episodes, Lightroom presets, prints, and more. A warm what's up to all of our creative club members. And for all of you returning listeners, feel free to leave us a review below. Now back to the episode. Yo, Lizzie, do you want to know what I think about that intro? What? Well done. We all think you did a great job. So we just got a new recording setup. It's pretty sweet. We got it the actually, uh, it's, it's awesome. And big thanks to Rode for sending us the Rodecaster Pro. So essentially, they have all these fun things. Check this out. This will be like a fun experiment. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Chris, and on this week's episode, we have Lizzie. She's going to probably bitch at me for a lot of reasons, but that's hilarious. Doesn't this sound like a real radio show now? Can you? <laughs> I've had Welcome to morning television. Welcome to morning radio. Hope you drive into work this morning. It's going to be great. You that's like that? my least favorite one. Come on. It sounds so fun. Here, look. Wait, wait. This week on Sephora, we're having sales. So for Lizzie Pierce out there, double check your Rouge membership because you're going to get a lot of stuff. <laughs> she can't. Uh. This is everyone on the other end of you doing that. Why? Why are you so rude? <laughs> and this is what we'll have to do every time you say a joke. I love it. I'm really excited about it. We have to reprogram like all the different settings. There's that are a lot in there. of like funny sounds. We were playing with them before this, but it's, it's actually awesome. And our little podcast nook is really coming along. It's pretty much done. I think we just want to get a light for this area and then we want to put up two pictures. And then now that we have this, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. This is like a legit podcasting setup. I mean, before we had a good podcasting kind of set up what was going on but now it's like this mm -hmm. feels like a home it feels like an actual radio station so my goal I'm with the office and like finding all these little sections and building it and decorating it was that it would feel like a home away from home like it would feel like an office but I wanted it to feel cozy and that's why we bought a lot of like living room type furniture and there are no windows but we bought so many curtains like yep. not only for sound purposes but just because it makes it feel like more homey and warm and mirrors like a lot of how we decorated it is like home decor yep with just like some gear shelves which I think is kind of funny it's really nice actually Lizzie just finished her backdrop and I'm super jealous because it turned out well it's way like 80 better than done. mine no, it looks. No, yours isn't done yet. No, also. mine still needs work. I need a carpet. I need a few things, but <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie. I I didn't have high hopes when you were like piecing everything together, and when it also I, like, took you a the, long time. When I was telling you my vision, or yeah. when like I showed you the no, pieces. No, no. Well, you never really like told me your full vision. You were just like, here's a bunch of pieces, and I bought a lot of freaking fake plants. Yeah, and I, there's still more coming. <laughs> I can't believe it. But yeah. now, now it looks good. If you guys want to go check that out, um, Lizzie will be releasing a video on that in the next little while. Well, yes, so keep I an am. eye out for that stuff. Yeah. There's a couple of things. I'm just like waiting for the last few pieces to like style the shelves properly. And I bought again, more curtains to put up along the wall for sound purposes and because it'll make it feel like cozier, but I bought a rug that I'm obsessed with and I have to organize my little like shelves and stuff. I actually have a dresser that I'm using for some gear storage. 
it's not like, I feel like a lot of people be like, oh, it has to be a shelf or it has to be this. And I'm like, no, I bought like a, an actual dresser. Most people would put clothes in and I'm, that's what I'm going to store my. Yeah. A nice little pro tip is that if you guys are building any creative space, Facebook marketplace is a dream for finding things as well as finding good used gear. As long as you're all practicing, you know, (laughs) you're safe. COVID-19 rules when you're doing it and trying to be safe to some degree, you can get a lot of sweet deals. Uh, we've been selling a ton of stuff on Facebook marketplace in the last day. And like, you could have done my backdrop way cheaper. I'm just not that handy of a person. Like the shelves you could easily make. Um, I also wanted a specific kind of shelf. Like mine's like an upside down L bracket shelf. Yeah. Like the L brackets kind of on top. So you could just build your own shelf. I got like the little like light cables from Amazon. I bought specific bulbs cause I was picky about them from Home Depot or Lowe's. Yeah. No Lowe's. I mean, obviously but you could get just, choose. you could get normal bulbs. I spent like kind of a lot on the fake plants, but you could totally get cheaper ones from Ikea or real plants, you yeah. know, but our, our place is coming together. It's nice. It's like, a, it's kind of like a Casey nice stat, but like a little bit more aesthetic, but I want to make a few more things even this more is functional. Not, this looks nothing like his office. What do you mean? Well, this is nice. His looked like a giant hoarder's <laughs> den with scribbles and like paint and okay, glue and tape. He would like destroy. I feel like our office is somewhere in between Casey's and Peter's. Peter's is like super clean, organized aesthetic. And ours is like right in the middle between the two. Why is ours like Casey's? Because it's in kind of a sketchy building. No, it has nothing to do with the sketchiness of the building. It has to do with like. I don't see the similarity between this and Casey's office. (sighs) Fine. I'll let you win that one. Peter's. Well, let's be honest. Peter (laughs) can ball out on his. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, he's got a very fancy office with custom things and a keg. So that's a little bit of a different ballpark than most people are in, but I think ours is pretty sick. Like I, I don't I love know many people's offices that look like this. I think it's dope. Okay, Lizzie, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your worst job experience ever. Oh, I've got a couple. <laughs> Give me the stories. Give me the goods. There's a really, the first one I thought of, which is just like a funny, like slightly creepy story. Yeah. No. It's nothing sci-fi creepy. No, it's not sci-fi creepy, but it's like, it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. Okay. So this was my first real job. Yeah. I mean, real job is in like, not dog walking. Yeah. Okay. So I worked at American Eagle. Yep. And it was like a normal day. I was, everyone works different sections of the store. So this man came in, and this was a long time ago. I'm having trouble remembering the details. Long story short, he said he was shopping for something for, like, his wife or his girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, he was looking for a skirt for her. And so I'm showing him all the skirts, and then he starts asking me how short the skirts are. And I'm thinking he doesn't want it to be super short. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's a good length. It's probably to here. And he says because he wants to make sure it's short. Yeah. He wants a really short skirt. Oh man, this is giving me the heebie-jeebies and then, as you're saying. Did I never tell you this story? I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, that's valid. You know, I'm yeah. not thinking like that's. It. I mean, we're inching into red flag territory, but we'll get to the red flag. We're at like yellow flag, okay? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so he starts 
like he's going on and on about how short they are. Like, could he show me like he was like, so on you, like how short, like, can you show me how short oh, it would be? I got like a and then he asked, stomach. and I was like, so I show him like without trying it on. I'm like, I don't know, probably to here. And then he's like, would you mind like trying it on so I could see? Oh. <laughs> Did you do it? No, are you insane? I don't know. <laughs> That's when I was like, I was kind of entertaining it for a bit. And because I'm like, maybe he just doesn't, he wants to make sure it's like a certain length. Yeah. And he wasn't saying, oh, I want it so short I could see your ass. Like, he didn't say that. But when he was like, could you try it on? I was like, um, no. Yeah, that's a big no. And he kind, and then he kind of tried to like really push me into doing it. I don't remember what he said, but he asked, he was like, really? Because it would really help me. It was like, he kept help trying to persuade me. Decide to get the skirt or not. Oh, that's so cool. So then anyways, no. he didn't end up buying it, obviously. And I doubt that even if I put it on, he would have bought it. Man. It was so gross. And then I told my manager. And my manager was just like, that's weird. <laughs> oh, my God. That could have been a nightmare. Can you imagine? That like, made me someone, so uncomfortable. Someone would have been. I mean, I, I can totally see. I think I was like, oh, my gosh. Was I even 18? guess I was. No, I don't know. I think I was 17. And so can you imagine like someone else would have been at 17 easily persuaded and been like, oh yeah, sure. I'll try it on so you can see. Jeez. I obviously I wasn't, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. You freaking creeper. Yeah. But yeah. Ew. Do you want to hear a really gross story from when I was working? I don't even know if I've ever told you this one. I like to- you tell, you told me like all the okay, stories. Okay. So I used to work as a lifeguard. And we went into the, like we, sometimes we do checkups and stuff like that on like the bathrooms and whatnot. I mean, I have a lot of crazy stories, but this one, I don't think I've told you. And then this will be a good segue into some other weird ones that involve the lifeguard bathrooms. So anyways, um, go into the public washroom and one of the drains is clogged with a bunch of hair. (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, t- and it's like, it's a shower drain. Yeah. And it's like evident which hair type of hair it is. Ew. Yeah. It was so gross. So like, why? I know. So <laughs> why would you do that? some of the, the downstairs hair, just to clarify for anyone who's listening. <laughs> And it was, and it was some curly cues that have been (laughs) brewing for a while. It's so gross. So So is it your job to clean it? No. So, I mean, we, we contacted the, um, like the maintenance crew and someone, someone had to come in and clean it. And then a few years later, I remember talking to somebody else and then he told me a story about, he's like, oh yeah, one time I trimmed my thing and just left it in the bathroom. I was like, it was you, you were the one. Oh really? Yeah. And I was, and it, like without telling who the person was, I ended up connecting the stories and it was for sure them. Yeah. A hundred percent that had left it. Cause they had talked about it. They're like, it was really bad. That happened with a friend of mine when I was working. So I also used to work at this restaurant called Joey's and yep. that was like my longest like part-time job. Yep. I had that to, like through university and I was working one night. Um, so there was this mezzanine area that was on another level, like a higher level and they had like a long table for like parties of 20 people. And sometimes you could rent out the whole thing for a private party. Yep. So this, this particular night, the long table upstairs in the mezzanine was rented out mm-hmm. um, for a party. And I was working at the front desk. Um, so I'm up there. And so we see everything, everybody coming out and we're supposed to like, it's a nicer restaurant. So 
we're supposed to like quote unquote quality check and ask everybody how their meal was and make sure they had a good time. And so I hear that there was a girl on the mezzanine who was at that long table and she threw up like at the table or like under the table or something. And then we were all like, oh no, because like we had to clean it before like the nighttime crew came in well I didn't have to clean it but somebody else did and everyone was like oh I can't believe it like she got so drunk she threw up and blah 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 anyways I see this girl coming down the stairs and her friends are helping her down the stairs and it was like a whole thing and we were like that was like the the thing of the night you know when you're at work it's like oh the girl puked upstairs yep like a year later I'm talking to a friend of mine yeah I won't name her but you know her and uh, do you know who the story is about? I've no. told you the story before. Oh. I'm, I mouthed it to Chris. That's so funny. So she's telling me about, she's like, oh, you work at Joey's? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, I had the worst experience there. Like one night I was upstairs and I like threw up and I was like, <laughs> I was working that night. I remember you. But this was like before we met. Oh, no. And, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was working that night. I remember. She was like, no, you weren't. And I was like, yeah. But that's not like a bad, I didn't have to clean it. It's just like a funny story, funny work story. Okay. I have a question that's more, a little bit more serious and then we can go back into some fun stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think you learned from your time at Joey's and some of your previous jobs that helped you be a better creative and better at your job now? And would you recommend that someone have a job like that before they just dive into the creative world? I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Um, I didn't work at American Eagle for very long, so I can't really say that I took anything from that, but at Joey's, I definitely... Joey's is a restaurant. Joey's is a restaurant. I said that before. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Um, it made me... Well, in short, yes, I would recommend everyone like have a job like that in the service industry because it teaches you how to deal with people. Yeah, because the creative world, and when you start making money in the creative world... You're going to have to deal with clients. You're going to have to deal with collaborators. You're running your own business. You're running your own business. So so you have to be able to learn how to communicate with people face-to-face on location. Face to face. Put on a smile when you don't really want to. Oh man. Deliver. huge. Deliver bad information in a way that makes the other person feel okay about it and almost makes it think, makes them think like you're doing them a favor. Yeah. Um, how to, yeah. So that's really, it made me comfortable at approaching people, talking to people because the first thing they get you to do when you start working there is you're a greeter. Yep. You're a greeter quality checker. So when they come in, you're supposed to direct them to where they need to go. So like the front door at Joey's was a pretty intense thing. There was a minimum of like on a really slow night, there might be three people working, but there's always four and on a busy night five. Yep. Just at the front door. Yep. And that's just to organize the wait list. Like it's a really busy restaurant. So organizing the wait list, um, serving like tasters, um, seating people, um, doing like checks of the floor to see what tables are like coming up soon. So you can make sure that the wait list is accurate. Like our wait list, like our quote times were always on point. Yeah, We were always like, I mean, if you had someone who was, and they would be in like the quote unquote director role, yep. which I was quite a bit because I worked there for a long time, which means like we would um, assign tables to whoever was waiting and this is boring, but it's like important to the story. It assigned tables to whoever was waiting and um, like all the reservations and making sure that the, everything's full 
at all times, but you're like scheduling everything in your mind. Like, okay, that needs to come up in 20 minutes. I'm going to need this kind of table. So that means the wait's going to be this long. Very relevant to production. Very relevant to production. And so I was good at it. Like there's, it was actually like a pretty hard job. Yeah. And definitely like anyone could do it. Anyone could learn it, but it's stressful. Yeah. Like, and especially when you have a lot of angry, hungry people who want to be sat. And I've got managers coming to me going, why isn't this table up yet? Or um, uh, this was the worst that would happen. A group of 20 people yep. that wouldn't confirm the reservation and then would walk in yep. like a half hour after their reservation. So they wouldn't confirm. So we're thinking they're not coming. They didn't yep. confirm it. Then they walk in not 10 minutes after the reservation, not 20, like a half hour, 45 minutes after their reservation. And you guys are like to a T, like you're a schedule. Yeah. And we're, we're holding the table cause we can seat smaller parties at it. So I've got my manager going, call them, call them, call them. So, and that's happened. We give away the table and then 20 people walk in and I have to find, it's my job to find a place to put 20 people. Yeah. Like that's 20 hungry people who think that they have a right to that table that you just sat and then you can't move those. You can't take people out of the restaurant. So anyways, it's uncomfortable. So you're, you're trying to deal with managers who are up your ass. You're trying to deal with, um, angry people. And now I have to make them happy. It's literally yeah. my job. And then you still have to like deliver a product afterwards. And deliver a product. And then yeah. they have to follow up and be like, did you like it? Yeah. Are you happy? Would you recommend it? Yeah. It's so, it's, um, it did make me good. I'm not afraid of approaching people and talking to people and I'm not, a f and I can be tactful with my words in telling them something negative and making them think it's actually positive. No, you're really good at that. I think that's still even a skill now that you exercise quite often. And like everyone jokes about having a customer service voice. Yep. Like it's okay. my happy voice. It's like <laughs> what you're, yeah. you're saying it with a smile, but really in your head, you're going like, screw you. I hate this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, what, what's your thought on like that whole exercise too? And like business language, like, do you, you like, okay. I'm, I'm curious. Cause I hate sometimes writing those emails where you're like, if feasible, would you do this? Or like I using hate the word feasible. I so. know my dad likes it. And then I started using it. Anyways, I, that word. I, I just, don't know why I just, I, it's, me the heebie -jeebies. I mean, it's tough because you have to read through certain clients and know what, like how they receive, like are receptive to certain language. Cause you mm -hmm. can't always use it. Some people like the business formal language and other clients are like, yo, here's the project. It's sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you have to be somewhere in between. You need to learn how to, well, I think it's good. It's a good skill to learn how to read people and then know like how to approach it. But it, you're always safer if you lean on the business side, if you are working in a, like a business setting. Like if you're writing an email? Yeah. But I think sometimes people write, like this is what I learned when I was working in that production company. We as young people are always trying to use like super formal language in emails to make us sound more professional. Yeah. But really nobody talks that way. No. So we really just need to write emails the way we would speak in a, in like in plain language, yeah. like take it, say it for what it is. Don't add like likes and, you know, like spell everything properly, write a complete sentence, but you don't have to use words like if feasible, you can just say, would it be all, would it be all right if, or like, would you mind? Like yeah. there's polite ways of saying it that aren't like if feasible, cause it just sounds like, I don't, just no one says that. But the tough so it sounds is, like you're trying too hard and but, it doesn't sound sincere. But on the opposite side of it, just as to play devil's advocate on that for a second, um, but my boss literally told me that. Yeah. But wouldn't you say like, how many times did we show up on set and people were shocked 
on how we were and who we were in our age because we were so young, but like through emails I don't think and that- on the phone, we sound way more professional. Yeah, we do. But even when you and I started working together, I would tell you that. I'd be like, you don't write, you don't talk like this. And I would edit your email. Yeah. To sound more conversational. And I'm not talking conversational like, oh, this is so sick. Da, da, da. I'm saying, this is amazing. It was so great working with you. I'm not yeah. saying like, I have really enjoyed our relationship, our working relationship. You know what I mean? There's there's two sides of it. Like yeah. you want to hit right in the middle. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be, um, competent. I actually saw something the other day. Oh, where did I see it? Oh, I don't remember. But um, when you're meeting someone for the first time, there are two things that uh, in a in a good working relationship or like when you're being hired for a job per se yeah. that people look for and will judge whether they like want to work with you. It's how warm you are as a person and your competency. Yeah. And people will like you more and they'll be more willing to work with you if you show that warm side of you first over the competence which i find really interesting yeah and um so they'll actually be more persuaded to work with you if you're slightly warmer than you are competent you don't you can't be incompetent yeah but you you they want you they want to know that they like you yeah well they want to be able to vibe with you and even have a conversation yeah. and then so once you started that email, conversation yeah. yeah so you're writing an email like like a stale old robot yeah doesn't make them feel like they like you yep um so, i think i think you nail it on the head when you said it's somewhere in the middle where you can be personable but you have to be professional right so it's not being too you have to present lax. the information in an organized way be polite um but be, yeah, speak in, like, I say plain language, like how, we, how we're speaking right now. Um, yeah, but not over the top and also not, like, with no punctuation, no capitals and, like, not properly, like, thinking through your emails. You want it to be organized and clear and efficient. Yeah. That's the competency. And then the language you're using is the warmth in the email. Yeah. So you don't want, yeah, you don't want to come off like a, I don't know, like you're writing an essay. It's an email, yeah. you know? That's my two cents on that. No, I think it's How great. How did we get here? <laughs> no, I was just asking you questions about your job. And then we were talking about being professional mm. and whatnot. Cause it's, cause you have to go through a lot of like bad experiences. So like to tie it back to some of these weird jobs that we've had in the past. Yeah. I have another bad story. This is a bad one. Go. So it's no secret that the production company I worked at my, I could deal with my boss cause he reminded me of my dad. In like a very stern yeah, old but your man dad, type of way. Yeah. My dad was also kind of a jerk sometimes. Very great guy, but it can be kind of could be kind of a jerk sometimes and was even more of a jerk to his <laughs> my siblings. Yeah. Um that's another story. But so my boss he could be really difficult. Like it was no secret there that people didn't stay at the company for very long. Yeah. It was pretty high turnaround. Because of him. Yeah. He could really be um, you had to have thick skin around him. Yeah. He could be really nice, but he could also be really mean. And so one day we were working late on a project that I was producing and he was being very, and when he wasn't in the office, he would go to his home that was in the U S he had yep. like a summer property Yeah, and he would call the office and he would call and then call back five minutes later. If he was stressed about something, he would call again and call again and call again. And I'd be like, it's been like five minutes or 10 minutes. He was just working as his life. 
Yeah. So anyways, that was annoying enough. And you have to like, again, say it with a smile. He's your boss. So you can't be like, why are you calling? Yeah. Can you chill? You have to be like, no, I haven't done it yet. Sorry. Yep. I'll get on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, is this guy crazy? And so we're in the office after work. We're working late, like the editor and I on this and we're doing our best. And yeah. I forget exactly what had happened, but he called me at the office and said something like, and I realize I'm paraphrasing, but there, this is what he said. Yeah. I realize it's hard for you to comprehend for your, I realize this is hard for your 20 something brain to comprehend. Oh. And I was like, Oh wow. This asshole. Yeah. And I was like, wow, what a dick. What, a, like, how do you say that to someone? And I, I hadn't done anything wrong. I was working late. I hadn't made any mistakes. I was working. Yeah. I was doing exactly what he told me to do, but he was stressed and he didn't feel like I was stressed enough because I don't know what, like he just chose, you know, when people are just like angry that you're not feeling something and they say something to like get you riled up. Yeah. I don't know. But he just, he said that. And then I actually told the editor because he and I used to commune together sometimes. And I was like, yeah, he said this to me the other day. And he was like, no, no way. He did not. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. So I'm leaving. I quit. <laughs> not like a couple months later, but, you yeah. know, I quit. No, but it plants the seed for you to quit. Oh, I, yeah. He, I, yeah. Did you? Did you <laughs> There's so much more, but did yeah. You, that was the worst one. Did you know in your head that you were still pushing through a lot of that backlash because you were learning so much? Like, did you go like, I will push through this knowing that when I come out on the other side, like how long into that working relationship did you feel like you learned a lot and like had hit the max um, that you could get out of that company in terms of knowledge? I'd learned, I felt I'd learned enough. Yeah. You can always keep learning more with different projects and different clients. Yeah. But I learned enough after I'd, been there um, I think I was there a year and a half yeah and um which isn't really that long no but you learn you see the so the thing is it was long enough though oh my god after a couple of months I was like this is gonna kill me yeah but he it wasn't like the job it was him yeah <laughs> But so, so there was this delicate balance of, okay, I know why I'm staying and I am learning a lot and I'm going to get what I need out of this. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go because, yeah. oh, if he was nicer, I probably would have stayed there a while longer, but he's brutal. It just shows too. So th I think there's a couple of takeaways that I, I, I think I would like to pinpoint and I'm sure you can kind of elaborate on it too. Mm -hmm. One is out of school. Um, I, I, Lizzie and I took different routes in terms of how we approach things. So Lizzie went and worked for a company for a year and a half. And I just went out on my own. So what Lizzie you learned in a year and a half is probably something that I would have had to have learned over five years. So I think it really, and what Lizzie- Honestly, if that, because like, how do you learn that with you don't have- like Experience you, in making mistakes. Experience in making mistakes, but also someone else to go like, this is why, like, not only, like, how do I put it? Like they're pointing out exactly why that didn't work immediately. Yeah. So, cause you could, it's not just what you don't learn immediately after making one mistake. You could make that same mistake for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years yeah. until you finally get it. Yeah. So that's why people work better together. And that's why when you and I started working together, yeah. things, in, 
things really sped up for both of us. For a lot, yeah, because it was not only budgets; it was the way our business operated, the way that people respected us, yeah, the, the quality of our productions. Because that's the thing is, like, when you go out and start working for your own, you have to remember that you're going to start wearing so many different hats, and you're not going to be good at a lot of those new jobs. So, like, you're right out of school. You're like, cool, I know how to make videos or I know how to take dope photos, but what's your experience with accounting? What's your experience with, you know, building a business? What's your experience with networking? What's your, like, those are all things that are new to you and it's going to take you a long time to learn it. And if you don't have any guidance on it, like, thank God for YouTube university for a lot of these people coming out of school. I wish... Like we grew up in the generation where like some of that information was available, but now there's so much, Mm -hmm. which is great. So you can learn a lot, but at the same time, you have to still go through that experience and learn it yourself. So what I would say, I mean, I didn't do the experience, but I'm really glad that Lizzie had gone through it because she brought so much value to the company when she merged and we started working together that we were able to do so much more. So we even talked about, because when I left that job, I got another job offer pretty much right away, which was kind of, it wasn't my dream job because my dream job is right now, Yeah, but it was more that I wanted to learn that they were going to give me something different. Yeah, And I remember you and I were talking about like, okay, would me taking this, me soaking up that kind of information help us more if I just went and did that and then we started our business. Yeah. And ultimately I didn't end up doing that. And I still kind of have like, I wouldn't, do anything differently. I just wish I could have somehow done both. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, there's a fine Uh, balance between like starting your side hustle or starting your business and having enough information. And there's a certain jumping off point where you're like, all right, I got to do my own thing now. But I would say looking back, I'm I'm really glad you went through that because if we had both kind of started on our own, I don't even know where it would be because I think there was a lot of guidance that that year and a half gave you. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to all of it, right? Like I, there's experience that I got that I was able to teach you when you went on your own and vice versa. So together we got to share a lot of information to each other, oh, which yeah. helped us accelerate, which is funny because I don't even think I realized that at the time. What? Well, I just don't think- How helpful I was? No, both how, <laughs> how, how both of us going on our separate paths and then us coming together afterwards was beneficial to both of us. Well, yeah, because here's if, say you go back to like my- whole theory well it's not even a theory it's proven the warmth and competency thing yeah so say like you are really good with people obviously your work's really good too yeah. not not saying that but you're really good with people and they like your energy they like your excitement and all of those things right yeah. so then you got all these clients you got all these people invested in you because like you're really good at I I call it selling, but really it's the networking and getting people invested in your work and and that kind of thing. And then I came in and was like the competency part of it. So I'm like the the not exciting part, but I I came in going, okay, and here's how we're going to do it. And like, that's how we would always do our deals. Like we'd go into the meeting and I'd be like, okay, so Chris, this is what we're pitching. And like, remember we talked about this and like, okay, so you're going to sell it. And then I would just be there and like, you're going to be like, yeah, it's going to be great. And everyone's like, Chris, we love you. And then they go, so like, what's the budget? Like, how are we, how much time? And I go, well, (laughs) and then I chime in and then like as a duo, you were the warm one. And then I was the competent one. And then they were like, wow, no, media is so great. No, and that's, that's how we were able to, I think that's exactly how we hit a lot of our clients and we were able to get some really big clients in such a short period of time. Um, because of that approach, I think it's, you nail it on the head there. Yeah. And I, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any more bad, bad work stories? Bad, bad work stories. Bad work stories. <laughs> um, Wait. Uh, <laughs> I actually meant to hit the like X Files one. Yeah, and then you played the really nice one. So now, <laughs> like leading into this, it seems really weird. And then I you knocked your coffee over, and then she's sitting in her like swinging egg chair. Oh my god, you're just a child, a, a big human child. Okay, stop pressing the buttons. <laughs> so fun. I know they're lit up, and it's fun to press. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, some, I mean, I didn't really have like a wide spectrum of different jobs. I always just like was able to turn something I loved into a job. And then I was able to like, like a magician. So <laughs> I'm I, so hyper right now. Just had a really big coffee and I think I chugged it a little too fast. Yeah. So I've had like, so my spectrum of work has been weird. So I worked as a lifeguard for a while. Um, that was like two, that was two or three years. So like my experience was that was like I was teaching kids how to swim and like I saved a dog from drowning one time. How did at the dogs pooch, drown? Because we had this thing called the pooch plunge. <laughs> I new, know, I've heard this story. But dogs can swim. I was the most ungrateful dog owner. I saved her dog. I saved her little chihuahua from drowning during the <laughs> pooch plunge, which to, just to give you context, it was an outdoor pool. And at the end of the year, when they, the day before they closed the pool, they're like, all right, let's get all the dogs in here. It's kind of like a media circus. All the media come out and take photos. It was, it was a great idea, right? But then there'd just be a shit ton of dog shit in the pool. So like <laughs> no one wanted to go. There's just floating shit everywhere. It's the only time they'll never close a pool and let other dogs swim in it while other shit and pee is everywhere. Sorry, this is really graphic. So anyways, this little chihuahua starts drowning. I was like, oh my God. So I had to jump into the shit pee pool and save this dog. <laughs> and then I, I brought it out and it like shakes off all over me again. And then I was like, ma'am, your, your chihuahua was drowning. I saved it. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, this, this freaking bitch. Anybody can be a pet owner guys. Yeah. It was, that, that was definitely like up there on like one of the worst jobs like that, that day. Like I liked being a lifeguard. It was really fun. Also, it's one of those things that were like, that was an example of time and place too. So I started working for the one lifeguard company right as they were starting to expand. And then when I was 18, I ended up just one summer doing this like manager program <laughs> and then it became a manager. And then I was 18 years old managing people who were like 25 and 30 Why are you, and 40 years old. This is supposed old. to be bad stories. Why are you bragging? I'm not bragging. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm giving a good... Ex we're talking about takeaways. Okay. So the other thing is like, also if there's courses and things out there, go and do them because then that's great experience for you and you never know what that could lead to as well. It's... And I, also, can, oh. I, can my other segue is when I worked as a lifeguard, that's how I ended up getting the connection with my first job in government and then making a video about like our lifeguarding community. So sometimes those other jobs, if you have a creative passion, you can find a way to build on it. I meet so Like many... even if you work at a grocery store, you could be like, do you guys need photos and video of the grocery store? And then you might be able to like segue your way into like a marketing job. Don't, haven't you ever met like some people who want to be photographers and videographers yeah. and they come up to us and they're like, Oh, I hate my job right now. I just want to be doing that. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, well, I work at a restaurant or like yeah. I've worked there for like two weeks, but like, it's already not for me. And they're like kind of stuck up about it. And I'm yeah. like, do your time. 
do no, the you, shit job. You have to, you have to grind. <laughs> like, you have to have learn. the shit job. Yeah, and if you go right into like, I don't know. There's just there's something to learn from any any job. Yeah. It has to be challenging though too. Like m- my job at the restaurant was still like, like I said, it was stressful. It was a lot. It was like I have nightmares about it to this day because it was hard. Yep. Um, a different kind of hard than our job now, but yep. it was still hard. And so if it, if you don't have that challenge in what you're doing and it's just boring, then no, I don't think you should be working there. Yeah. But um, yeah, you can learn something from everything. And I think every job that I've had has made me more, has made me better. And like a person that stands out in this industry because of that. You yep. know what I mean? 100%. Um, and has made us more successful in our jobs because of it. So, which I definitely didn't foresee originally. Yeah. I started working at Joey's because it was a cool place to work. Yeah. At the time. And it was really fun because I was also underage. It was fun. Yeah. I So the the spectrum of like some of the other jobs I had, I was, I was trying to gig as a musician for a long time. I really wanted to make like the music thing a big thing. Mm-hmm. When people would ask me like, what do you see yourself in the future? I was like, like Jack Johnson, have a recording studio and do this kind of thing. Yeah. So I was trying to learn how to record music. Do you know that I, one of the first like mixing jobs, cause I thought I was going to be a recording engineer too. I was going to be like oh, a musician yeah. recording engineer. I recorded a country band's album Yeah. in my parents' basement. It actually was pretty good. It was not bad it considering, wasn't bad. but I remember like, I remember I was part of a band called the bloody five and we went to like a recording studio and I remember because we started dating when you were finishing that up. Yeah. And I thought you were really cool. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. Yeah. I just, I, it was a weird experience. I remember going to this recording studio and like another mixing engineer telling the drummer to be like, you're not hitting the the snare hard enough. Like, and he said, he said this, which is obviously kind of like sexist. He said, hit the, hit the, the drum like a man. It was a woman, a female drummer? No, no. Just like, it was just a, a man oh. talking to him there. He's like, hit it like a man. Like he was just being like, oh, kind yeah. of like jokey. So I remember I was like, I, I really respected this recording engineer at the time. And I remember saying these like weird things where like there was a one, I had this guy who was part of this country band. He was the drummer in it. And he was the, the nicest guy ever. His, his main job was that he was a clown. And then he also played in a country band. So he would dress up as a clown during the week, do his clown shows. And then he'd play in this band on the weekends. And I felt, I remember being like, oh, I got to say what this other engineer says. So I told him to hit the, to hit the drum like a man. And I felt so bad about it. I was like, hit it like a man. And then he was like, I'm a clown. And I was like, what is this story? I don't know. I just want to tell you weird stories. Like I just remember like having this drum set hit set it up like in a my, man, but I'm a clown. <laughs> but I remember, what the fuck? <laughs> but I just remember having this, and this, this guy, changed your career. How exactly? No, but it, well, it taught me that I didn't want to be a recording engineer. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to tell you, <laughs> you're just killing yourself over here. I've just thought about this story, so I wanted to share it. So I just remember, like, I remember I bought all this equipment to record all this music, spent all this money on it. And then I remember having this drum set set up in my parents' basement with all the mics and this clown man comes downstairs and he's playing the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I love, uh, he was a great, like everyone was really nice. It's just a weird experience. Oh boy. And then it was one of those things where like, I, 
I like someone came up and they're like, I only have this budget to be able to like do it all. And then it was so much more work than it was. And I tried to ask for more money and it got awkward. And like the, one of the lessons I learned through that is like when you accept the rate for the job, you basically have to do it. Yeah. And like, that's a huge thing is through follow through. And that's why understanding, like ask questions, go through that kind of thing to know what's the scope of it. Like, okay, how long is this going to take and know what you're getting yourself into. Don't just hear the final number and be like, that's amazing because it could actually be way more work. And you're actually, I, it, so I was working as a lifeguard. I was paying, being paid $20 an hour. And when I did the album for that band paid like thousands of dollars for this equipment, recorded this full album by the, by the end of it, when it was all said and done, I made $7 an hour. And I remember thinking like, uh, this is like, that was a lot of work. I learned a ton, but still yeah, just a weird experience to have these people just come over and record in my parents' basement in a full country album. That's something I did. That is weird. And also when I was a part of that band, we, we did a tour one time where we went to like Ottawa and we played a show at two in the morning for like three people. It's really, it's, it's horrible, man. It's like one of those things where you go all the way there. You spend all this money. Oh, I've been to those shows, but I went as a groupie. Yeah. I have a, everyone that's listening, I have a type. Well, we're getting married now. So I had a type. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much exclusively, not even pretty much exclusively. It was exclusively musicians. Yeah. And by chance, mo- they, not even most, they were all bass players. Not really sure why. Yeah. So I did spend a lot of time driving to strange cities late at night to to be the, at one of the three people, yep. basically. To be like, oh my God, you're so talented. Because I was also a musician, so I was like, oh my God, we're like so creative and meant for each other. And then I realized... That's not what I'm going to do <laughs> with my life. Also, this isn't what I want to do with my life. So, yeah. You I know. Hit, I can share the, the one of the horror stories that I've yet to ever share on the podcast because I was always scared of people like knowing about it. So you guys will be the first to know. Do I know the story? The the wedding, the Texas wedding story. Oh, you're going to tell that story? Yeah. So, anyways, guys. That's a good one. A couple years ago, I got hired to do a wedding and it was in Texas and I didn't really like I, I kind of always knew the rules that were involved with like crossing the border and working in the States. Like you're not supposed to, as a Canadian, you're not supposed to, you need paperwork, you need all that stuff. So anyways, it, well, can we just explain why? Cause some people probably don't know. Okay. Like you obviously can't, you can't work in another country without a visa. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, your permission to work in that country essentially, yep. because they don't want you taking away jobs from those citizens. Yep. And same goes to, weddings even though weddings i'm kind of like oh come on like it's such a gray area come on but um even if they're buying your ticket mm-hmm. your uh, plane ticket and they're not paying you that can still be seen as compensation seen as compensation so you have to be really careful basically anytime um, that you could be taking a job away from like another person in that country that is generally viewed as being a yeah. no-no yeah And then you need paperwork and like, that's up to you to take on that liability and that risk. Yeah. So anyways, I was young. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was getting, and I wasn't getting paid much. So like, I think I I was getting paid like 1500 bucks or something like that, which is like, 
it's still it's it's enough. We were getting more than that. Maybe it was two grand. It wasn't a lot though. It was two it was grand. Maybe two. Two grand, but I had to pay for the tickets and like the hotel and like all that stuff too. So there's a lot of expenses involved on it as well. Mm-hmm. So and then I had to bring like a secondary person. So I think I remember paying like my friend Rob five hundred bucks to come down, and he's like, I'm like, oh, we'll go and have a fun time down in Texas with this. Mm-hmm. So anyways, because I was working, I was working at the production company. Oh my god. So yeah. So <laughs> otherwise, I probably would have gone. Yeah, you would have gone, but you couldn't take the time off. No. And it would have been so much better and easier if we had done that. Oh so my anyways, God, but so much worse. <laughs> so anyways, so it's the day we need to like start heading down. The day before the wedding, we need to start flying to Texas to be able to like get ready for it. So um, I booked my friend's flight. We both get uh, to the airport and I go through the Nexus line, which Nexus is like the speedy pass so that you can like just go through really quickly. You're pre-approved. You're so pre-approved they, to go through stuff. They do like a background check and everything on you ahead of time, like before getting your Nexus card Yep. and they do your fingerprints and they question you and it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it saves sure you time at the airport. It saves you time at the airport because they've essentially like done this in- intense check on you and they're like, oh, you're a good person. So you can go through borders this border faster yeah anyways so anyways um the day before uh we arrived at the airport there was like a huge attack um on one of the airports i think in like paris or something like that and yeah and all of a sudden they were like doing double checks on everybody so like anybody who was in this nexus line basically had to go and speak to a border agent which when you have nexus you don't really speak to a border agent like you sometimes do and you sometimes don't but right like that day you don't Usually you don't, but that day, everyone in the Nexus line had to talk to them. So wouldn't it be that there's like a famous actor in the line in front of me and we start talking, he's telling me about his shows and I work in movies and photo and video. And I was like, oh, maybe and we're like talking about networking, maybe doing something. So anyways, um, I'm waiting at the line and all of a sudden the, the guard's like, all right, come, you go talk to that person. And they just like, I was like, okay. I went up and they're like, business or pleasure? And I said, business. <laughs> I literally got so nervous. I just said it. I thought you were just in like a good mood and you were like your normal, like happy I just, I didn't, self. And you're just like business. No, oh. I know. I know. I just like, I, I was, but I was, a ha- I was in a good mood because I was distracted. I was talking uh, to this person. Yeah. So then when I actually had to be deal with a serious situation in front of me and I wasn't even worried about it cause I didn't even think it was a thing at the time. Right. So then when I got to the border, they were like business or pleasure. And I was like business. And then, Oh my God, it just went giant spiral. Oh, why, why? I was going to a wedding. How do you know this person? I went to school with them. Cause and did then, you realize right away after you said business I, that, that I was like, done? Fuck. I was like, uh, yeah, the m- moment. And then they, they're so good at interrogating you and making you feel yeah. small and scared. How do you know this person? Uh, I went to school with them. Well, what year? And you're like, uh, this. And like, are you getting paid? I was like, not much. And then like, I was game over. It was already over. <laughs> yeah. It was over yeah. at that point. So anyways, they put me into secondary. They started asking me more questions. And then I was just like, <laughs> I remember, I remember I said to the first agent before I went into secondary, they're like, how much are you getting paid? And I think I said, like, I, I said the number two grand. And then when I went to the second time, right. I said, I said 1500. They're like, but you said two grand out there. I was like, yeah, but all the other stuff is expenses. And then I was like, it's just so so, cute. Oh my God. So anyway, what does secondary look like? Secondary is just like another little room. And there's just like a handful of people sitting there. You (gasps) fill out a document. 
So it's not, it's, so it's just like a lobby though. It's not like a, it's not like a small, tiny interrogation room. I'm picturing the little interrogation room it's that not, they always show in the movies no, in the airport. No, no, I think there are rooms like that, but this was like- Not th- for you. You weren't that scary. I wasn't, I wasn't in the third room. I was just in the second. room. You didn't have room. any Coke up your butt or anything. None of that. <laughs> I was not a mule that day. <laughs> that day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, oh boy. So yeah, anyways, I remember you calling me out. No, no. So no, let me, I want to finish oh, it because then I want to call you. So, and then oh. anyways, they, the guy said to me, he like, they took my Nexus card. They did a bunch of stuff. And then they said to me, you're not going to America today. And I was like, but how am I going to do this wedding? They're like, you'll figure it out. And they're like, don't cross. And they're like, don't try to cross any other borders for 24 hours or do anything. And I was like, and I just, I was freaking out. I had to like, it sounds scary when they, yeah. And then I had to walk past the line of people crossing the border while everyone's looking at you, like with an agent as they're like, you're not escorting you. The X, the X. Yeah. Out. It was crazy. Oh my God. Uh, So nervous. And then I called you in just a panic. And then I call my parents and they're like, you'll figure it out. And then my friend Rob had, he went down and he went like he got through. He got Don't through. Don't say he went down. He went down. <laughs> he he, got he went through. Get him down. He went through. <laughs> he went to Texas and he shot the whole wedding by himself. But not, was, not, was, not before I had to call the the bride the day before her wedding to be like, I can't make it. I got denied entry. I need you. And I had all the gear. So I needed to find rental houses and then I had to get yeah. her to go pick it up. She went to like some freaking, you know, like those commercial spots, like anybody that works in production knows these like really random areas where they have like rental houses. Like it's never like a nice building. It's always just some sketchy place. The day before her so the day before. So I'm calling on a Friday afternoon, all these places to prepare gear, which usually takes longer. And I was like, I need it for the weekend now. And they're like, all right, well, there's a rush fee. And I had to pay all this money for like audio and camera and lenses and stabilizers. Remember you telling me, you're like, what do I do? And I'm like, you have to do it. You have yeah. to get it. You have to. And I had to get all this stuff and it cost me like a grand in rentals. Yeah. And then I had to pay all the expenses and all this stuff. And then anyways, this girl is like picking up this stuff the day before her wedding to shoot this video and get these photos. And this so it's is just why. A it's because a nightmare. And then the name of the bride was the name of what I wanted to name our future daughter. Yeah. And, we and can this never... story is the reason why we can't name our future daughter. This yeah. It was just a freaking nightmare. <laughs> because it was so it, bad. Yeah. It was a nightmare. So then anyways. Long but yeah, you called me and I was like, you, you said what? I was like, why? Why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I don't, I, now I can't. Well, if you want to, if anyone wants to get a good sense of my personality, you know that I'll never lie to you. <laughs> like it just, I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, everything. Like if, if I don't like something, you have a pretty good chance that you'll read it on my face. Even if I'm like, yeah. You can't lie very well. I'm a horrible liar, you which are, is like a good thing. You can read it all over your face. Which is like a good thing. Yeah. I think personally. No, it is a good thing. I can just always tell when you're lying. Yeah. But um So that was like that might have been the most detrimental working experience I've ever had because it still haunts me to this day. I still I still get super anxious. Oh yeah, that would be really when I cross scary. the border and everything. He gets it was, so anxious, so I always have to talk to the person now yeah. at the border security. It's not like I'm lying to them. And he just doesn't even, he doesn't like talking to them at all. Like no. they trip you up so easily. Like your well, brain and just I gets always confused. Get, I always just get like they, uh, some like something happens that's like totally just a fluke yeah. where 
I like go through the border and then someone chases me down afterwards and is like, you dropped something. And I'm like, <sighs> well, and we drove through the border another time because you're, you do have like a note on your account now because of that. Yeah. And so when I drive, when we drive across the border with Chris, like, it's only when we drive though, it's only when we drive, like we get extra questions because we have our gear because like normally we're, if we're driving we're visiting Becky and Chris, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're bringing our cameras so we can like, take photos take photos in the helicopter but then as we start telling the people at the border the story of how we have two friends in buffalo and they one of a them's helicopter. a doctor <laughs> and they have a helicopter and that's what we're doing and that's why we're visiting them and how do you and know then them they, go, they used so, to be canadian <laughs> and then they go how do you know them and then chris like always wants to say youtube and i'm like that sounds like a lie you can't say like i met them online so i go they used to be canadian yeah, like right away always the, and so anyways like i've learned a lot through that experience because you learn that you have to but then Do I travel on my own. Mistakes too. If when I travel on my own, if I drive across the border, which I have to visit Becky, um, and when I fly on my own, I never have a single problem. I because, know. And I always actually because I just don't want to have any problems. And like, I, it's not like again, I'm not lying to anybody. I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to look like someone you they want to ask questions to. So I always dress down. I wear like a ripped Led Zeppelin t-shirt. That's just how you dress in general. It is how I dress in general. But I don't say you're dressing down. It's just your outfit. Okay, I dress like I'm 14. What do you want me to say? <laughs> so I look fucking 14. And so they never ask me any questions. And I go, I'm visiting my friend Becky. And then the guy at the board goes, that's cute. Your friend Becky. Go along, miss. That's what I get. Uh, Literally so a guy lucky. said that to me. <laughs> Whatever. It's the one time. I just talked like, to a therapist about it. Yeah. My, my problem about crossing the border. I was going to say it's the one time that being underestimated has worked for me. Yeah. That's the only advantage. Yeah. that That's like one of those. So what I'm going to ask myself a question. What did you <laughs> learn through that experience, Chris? <laughs> hey, Chris, what did you learn through that well, experience? I was, as I was trying to say before is um, you always have to do good by your mistakes. Um, even when it's a little outside of your control, because it's your responsibility as the business owner to make sure that your reputation and your skill set and what you're delivering, you're just doing good by it, no matter what. Yeah. Um, it's I not about being, the money at that point. It's, no, it's not about the money. Like even if you have to go in the hole a few hundred dollars, it's only a few hundred dollars in the long run. It's better than people spreading your name around. Cause like the thing is like that yeah. people will understand that mistake in what happened and then they'll still want to recommend you potentially. Well, yeah, we've said that so like that again, that's the number one way you're going to get recommended for a job. Yeah. And get more jobs is by word of mouth. So the last thing you want to do is I mean, it's understand people make mistakes, but you always want to try and make right by that client yeah. in whatever way you can. I remember I charged her this this I like all that happened and then I still quoted her the exact same thing that I said originally, I should have given her a discount. Like I learned so many things from that. Didn't you try to give her something else? Yeah. I gave her like extra edits and then I also had to give her a discount. And then I was remember to like really terrified that she asked for a discount. And then I was like, yeah, I remember getting really upset about it. And yeah, then but, I was like, well, did you tell her you did all this extra stuff? And then you said, well, no, I just did it. And I was like, well, she doesn't know you've gone above yeah. and beyond. So there's the whole communication. Yeah. Thing I learned a lot about communication through that experience and through you, you've, you were really helpful in guiding a lot of that. Okay. And then communication is like the number one fundamental thing in, in business. 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but you have to be good at communicating not only in, through your videos, but with your clients and your people. Right. When you think you're clear enough and you've said it enough, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, it's and get funny. it in writing. So when we went to school uh, at Ryerson, when it was our year, it's different now, but when Lizzie and I got a radio and television arts degree, it was a lot like a lot of technical mixed with like a lot of practical and, and then a lot of like theory as well. So one of the things that we had to get was a minor in English. And I remember everyone hated the minor in English, Yeah, but it's so important. I just wish they would spell it out to you at the time to be like, the reason why you're getting a minor in English is so that you can communicate better through the videos and photos and yeah, but some of the mediums stuff in the, that you create. Some of the stuff in the English minor was dumb. Uh, well, a lot of it was dumb because <laughs> a, a, a lot was a lot of it's writing. It's Literally not communication. Like a book report. Well, maybe then a minor in communications would have been a better thing than English. I don't know. It was just yeah. It was weird because I just don't. So I feel like we learned a lot of practical and a lot of theory, but we didn't communication like delivering messages is so important and being able to tell stories and craft stories. Yeah. So maybe a minor in English was good. Maybe it wasn't. I wish we did creative writing. I just wish I had the mindset I have now when I was in school, but then I also still now I wouldn't want to be in school. It's tough. What are your opinion it's on like that? Maybe let's youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Almost 30. <laughs> all right, I am. I'm all, all wise and mighty over here. You got any gray hairs yet? <laughs> maybe. I actually don't think you do. No. But your dad barely has any, so I think you're going to get really lucky. Yeah, dude. My dad's like... Finally getting salt and peppery. Yeah. His mustache has always been, like, yeah. more gray. But everything else has been, like... Yeah. He's got a good head of hair. Yeah, he does. And? I really hope you get that, Gene. You'll be so lucky. Yeah. Wow. He's a good He's a good dad. Did Armin have hair? Your no. Grandfather? Really? Yeah, he's bald. Yeah. Okay. Let's end on this Anywho, note. I really have to pee. So <sighs> I got to pee too. And it's been all been an hour. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you guys liked this podcast, please go leave us a review on Apple podcast by leaving a five star review and a comment and some <laughs> sort of thing. You don't even get to pick the stars. It only has to be. Five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I'm just uh, telling you, it's, uh, it's what do they, what do they call that? That's like the, uh, the art of suggestion. <laughs> and if you're interested in getting some little, some extra goodies, yep. the podcast, some little, some some uh some of that access, good good some of that good good uh you specifically can, it, there's lightroom presets and a bunch of other things that can actually benefit yeah. from you so if you guys want to head over to www.patreon.com backslash a couple of creatives you guys can go check out our club and you guys can join it and be part of the the little participants and adding questions and everything like that when we're talking about like what episodes we're going to do and if we're ever getting any questions for the episodes then that's where we go to we don't go to our instagram or or YouTube, we go to our creative, to club, the members. creative club members. So if you want to be a part of the podcast and contribute and get more of what you want to listen to, then I would highly suggest heading over there. And, and we just changed uh, our tiers. So it's a lot more accessible and affordable now. Yeah. And all of uh, that funding goes towards our little podcast team, which is our podcast producer, Holly, and our uh, podcast editor, Michael. So... Yeah, we just do this for shits and giggles. This is for all of you out there. Thank you for listening to this episode. Also, big shout out to Road oh, Jesus, for this. Turn it off. Oh, I just wanted to say thanks for this setup. We really love it. No, you knocked over the coffee again. Well, you turned it on. Okay. 
Love you all. Bye.